Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a podcast from Bright City Church. For more information, visit our website, www.brightcitychurchuk.com or find us on social media at Bright City Church UK. Well, a very good evening to any of you who are joining me live uh, this evening on Word Up. And uh, it's good to have you with us here on Facebook Live and also on YouTube. And if you're listening on the podcast, thank you for logging in and joining in. I'm on my own tonight. Um, I'm sorry to say, I wish I was with one of my buddies, um, either Ben Aldis or Pastor Akin, but neither of them could make it this evening. So I'm going to do this by myself tonight. I'd like it to be, you know, interactive. We talked about making it a bit more interactive. So uh, do please comment or if you've got any questions or comments or input about what we're talking about, then, um, you know, do go ahead like you. Yes, Jimmy, good evening. Thank you for joining us from Nottingham, Jimmy. Great to have you with us. Brilliant. So, well, how did you like the um, the new dramatic countdown? It's pretty, pretty dramatic, wasn't it? That's because the subject matter is pretty dramatic. It's the, uh, the book of Revelation. We started last week. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Anne. Thank you for saying hi. We started last week with an intro, didn't we? Uh, myself and Ben. And we're just going to pick up on where we left off. And we'll be getting into the words of Revelation, the verses themselves this week in chapter one. But, um, you know, when we're looking at the book of Revelation, you know, we're thinking of things coming to a head, things coming to a climax. It's the last book in the Bible. We're coming to the end of the story. We're seeing God's revelation of the end of the story. And in actual fact, we'll see that revelation will mark an end of history as we know it. It's an end of time and space as we know it. There's going to be a new, a new type of life, eternal life going on from there, going to be new substance and matter that uh, we will experience. We're going to have new bodies and a new world. So uh, it really is the end of history as we know it uh, when we come to the end of the story. It's also the, um, the climax for believers. It's the coming of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ arriving to bring everything into line, to bring his kingdom, to bring the final judgment at last on all the wickedness, to defeat the Antichrist, to deal with all wickedness on the earth. And so that's going to be a wonderful thing. And, you know, it says that we, we're longing for that day. I say it says we are indeed longing for that day and we're to pray Maranatha, even so come Lord Jesus. We're looking forward to, to that day. It is our heart's desire. It's our dreams come true for the saints. So we, we think of it as the best of times at the end of time. But to be honest, it's also for another group of people. It's the worst of times because for those who have rejected Jesus Christ, for the unbelievers, it's going to be terrible times. It is a time of increasing judgment on the earth. And uh, we'll see as we study the, the books, uh, uh, the book of Revelation, that 
God is indeed, even during those times of great shaking, you know, we can we can read between the lines that he's looking for men to turn and repent. But we see the majority of the inhabitants, inhabitants of the earth continue to harden their hearts even during that time. So we might think about even what is our attitude to be towards, you know, these things of the end times, these prophecies and the book of Revelation itself. And you might hear a lot of people saying, oh, you know, we can't understand all that. And everyone's got all sorts of different interpretations. It's not even worth thinking about it. Let's just get on with what we absolutely know we should be doing, you know, which is um, sharing our faith and getting on knowing the Lord and doing what we know we need to be doing. And I do get that attitude. And, and in a sense, there's you know, you can understand that attitude. But I would say a big but if that was the way that Jesus and the father wanted us to deal with his word and think of it and, and deal with with that life now, then why would he have written so much detail about the last days, about the second coming of Jesus Christ? And so we have to say, well, he's written it for a purpose. In fact, when we do study, and I, I've read uh, one commentator saying that there are, in fact, eight times more prophecies written about the second coming of Jesus at the end of days than there are about the first coming. So there's lots of references, as we know, to the first coming were fulfilled when Jesus came and was born in Bethlehem and grew up and died on the cross and rose again. There are many prophecies relating to that. But Eight times more prophecies about the day of the Lord, of the second coming, when he comes in power. And it says in the scriptures that all the earth will see, everyone will see him as he comes and he'll come and he'll arrive in Jerusalem and he'll execute judgment. So there's a lot written in the scriptures. And, and when we say that this revelation is a, it's a fulfilling of the scriptures themselves, the prophecies and the main prophetic utterances given by the major prophets which look to this time of the coming messiah who would bring in the kingdom and put everything right so um you know we need to pay attention and and also if we think of the the book of revelation the word is revealing it's an unveiling it's it's a revelation from god it's not a concealing it's not a hidden thing. It's it's a revealing from God. So we can approach the, the book saying, Lord, you're, you're revealing something to me. You will reveal and I can understand it. And we know there's a lot of uh, symbolism. There's a lot of things to get our heads around, which we'll get into. But he says, I'm, I'm revealing it to you, this book, this um, revelation. So let's approach it in that way. Anything else we want to say about our... Um, are looking at the, the book of Revelation. Well, we know, as I say, it's it's Jesus coming. It starts with when Jesus reveals himself to John the Apostle. We know, we said last week, he's on the Isle of Patmos and he gets this vision uh, revealed to him and he's told to write it down. And then he sends it to the seven churches. And we see there's seven churches in Asia Minor. And following that, the letters to the seven churches, we then move into three sets of seven 
judgments, three sets. We look at the seven seal judgments, and it seems there's a um, a, there's a scroll in heaven with seven seals on it. And as each of the seals are broken, then it reveals the beginning and the releasing of seven judgments. And then at the end of the seven seal judgments, we move into the seven trumpet judgments. The, the angels are given, seven angels are given seven trumpets. And as they blow these trumpets, uh, further seven judgments are released onto the earth and culminating in the seven bowl judgments. And so we'll be looking at the detail of these judgments. We see during this time, it's a time of tribulation. We hear about this tribulation that's coming on the earth, a great tribulation. We, we hear and we know from the scriptures that this time of tribulation will last for seven years. It's very specific. Those seven years are measured out in years in the scriptures. They're measured out in days, the, the number of days that equals seven years. They're measured out in, um, in weeks as well. Uh, so that's a very interesting thing. It's a very short time if we think of the whole span of the history of scripture covers. It's a very short time, those seven years and three and a half of particular intense judgment or what's even called as the time of Jacob's trouble. So we'll be looking at that and, and we know that during this time there seems to be a rising of a world ruler called the Antichrist who will be given power over all the earth. And it says, in fact, that he will make war on the saints and will be given power over them to defeat the saints. And we will see in the book of Revelation, in fact, there is a great uh, many that are martyred in that day. They lose their lives uh, because of their witness for Jesus Christ. And it says that, that those martyrs are crying out at the throne in heaven for, for the Lord to, you know, avenge them. And he indeed does when he comes. So, yeah, there's, um, you know, incredible things happening in the book of Revelation. And we know, just as I come to begin to read it, it does say, and we mentioned this last week, and, and this is particular about this book. It doesn't say this about any other book, to my knowledge, but it says that there is a blessing for everyone who reads this book, and there reads it, reads it out, and there's also a blessing for everyone who hears the words of this book, and puts those words into practice. So today we're going to begin to read the book. We're going to begin to hear the words and look to understand what the words are saying. And it says, blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written. That is key. It's no good just hearing, but you, we need to get that blessing and the full blessing of it, to take to heart what is written. What does that mean? It means to, to apply it, to, if we really take it to heart and believe it, then we're going to, you know, modify our lives in a way that shows, well, we're taking it seriously. We're applying what's being taught and said by the very words of Jesus himself. Uh, interestingly, some of these words, uh, a lot of these words in the book of Revelation are written in red letters because Jesus appeared and said them to John and uh, told him to write them down. So, yeah, we've got to apply. Let's just pray that God helps us in our understanding 
of this word and that we actually receive that blessing. Lord, thank you for everyone who's tuned in to understand your revelation to your people through this book. And we ask you, Lord, to open the scriptures to us that we would understand. And Lord, give us the grace to indeed take to heart and to respond rightly and correctly to this revelation that you are giving us, to alter our behaviours, to alter our priorities in line with what you're showing us, to maybe bring it into our witnessing as we do believe, Lord, that we are closer, very close to these last days in this day. We thank you, Lord, and uh, we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Okay, let me start by, I'm going to read, in fact, out the first chapter. So uh, if you listen with me and as I read the first chapter, just let God speak to you as you hear these words. So Revelation, starting at chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, 
dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, and white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive for ever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands, is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. That's the end of chapter one. Okay, so let's go back to chapter one, verse one. So the revelation, or that word is apocalypsos. Um, that's a, a revealing, a revealing of mystery, an unveiling. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. So the Father gives the revelation to Jesus Christ to show his servants, who are his servants? That's you and me, that's the believers. We're known as the servants of the Most High. What must soon take place? So this is given to show you and I and all the servants what must soon take place. Interestingly, it says soon, and we know that this came to... Uh, John, we said last week that it was round about, we think, you know, between 80 and 90 AD. That's after Jesus was born. So we're thinking, you know, something like 60 odd, 50 to 60 years after the crucifixion when John was quite old. And he said it. he made it known by sending his angel. So he sent Jesus, then sends his angel to John, to his servant, John, who testifies about everything he saw. So this is John's testimony. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Then it goes on, verse three. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it. And we, we talked about that and take to heart what is written. Because the time is near. So we've got that must soon take place and the time is near. It does seem, you know, that um, John, who, who wrote this, even had in mind that this could happen in his lifetime. We look at the scriptures. We, we look at the words of Peter. We look at the words of Paul in the New Testament. And there was a sense that they felt the return of Jesus was imminent. And so... You know, is there a difference today? Haven't the, has the church been expecting the imminent return and the fulfillment of these prophecies and the book of Revelation right through history? And so why would we think we're any closer today than they did, for instance? These are questions we might ask. Well, let me put, put this to you as well. 
You know, Jesus, when he referred to the prophet, the prophecies of the scriptures of the Old Testament scriptures that were his scriptures, his Bible, if you like, and the Bible of the disciples, the Old Testament, he referred to Daniel uh, in the New Testament, you know, in his ministry. Uh, this was the go to book. And, and we'll, we'll see that in um, in Revelation, there's so much mirror and, and it very is. It's very much a companion book to Daniel, and we'll be looking at Daniel. You know, it speaks much detail about the arrival of the Antichrist, the rise of him, and how the he's defeated, and how the Antichrist makes war on the saints, etc., etc. But he refers to Daniel, and this is what it says in Daniel chapter 12. Now, we know that revelation that, that was given to John is a revealing. It was an opening up, being open to the scripture. But this is what the Lord said to Daniel when he gave him his vision of the end of days. He said, but you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll. So they were to be sealed, if you like, the, the, the words of, of his prophecy were sealed. It says, until the time of the end. And it says, at that time, many will go here and there and knowledge will increase greatly. Daniel is looking to a time in the end when it says many will go here and there. It says, until a time in the end. And this is what... This is what um, characterizes that time. Many will travel here and there. It seems like travel will suddenly increase greatly. And we could say today, wow, many of the people um, travel around the world easily today. All I, I, I say many people, you know, those who can afford it. But there is a, certainly a traveling around the world. There's a communicating right around the world. We're living in a global society today. That is very kind of recent. That is in recent decades that things have gone that way. We're in that time. And it also says that of that time and the end, it says, and knowledge will increase greatly. Knowledge will increase. And if we think, wow, the exponential increase of knowledge to every person that is pretty much on the on the earth almost, I say every person, so many people in the world, we now have access to much of the knowledge that is continually growing and, and made available through, we know, the Internet. The Internet is a very recent event. Um, I like to think of it now, even, you know, since my own children have been alive, the Internet suddenly came. and, and But it's grown exponentially, the access and the computer power. And maybe some of you will put on the comments in here, you know, computer power is doubling. Um, I think uh, something ridiculous like daily. And, and so we're, we're moving into a time of even artificial intelligence and whatnot. So we're looking at, in fact, is this the time of the end? That is one of the one of the things that we, we, we like that, that's characterized about the end times in Daniel, the prophet that Jesus referred to most in his um, his speaking of the end time. So, yes, we talked about blessed is the one who who reads and takes to heart and, and actually obeys what is written. That is so key in all of scripture, in all of our lives as a disciple. It's, you know, following Jesus is about being a disciple. That means you're, you're devoted to him, 
to his teaching. You submit to it. You said, you are now Lord. I I am going to follow you. You know, it isn't being a Christian is we, we say, yes, it be, begins with believing, but it's actually coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is what true Christianity is. It's not just believing. Believing is the doorway in, but only the first doorway. And, and so it's actually obeying the words of Christ, being a disciple, following. That is what marks out a true believer. You know, the, the Bible says, well, do you believe in a certain place? It says in the New Testament, you believe? Big deal. The demons believe. Satan himself believes. He knows that Jesus is Lord, but he's just not submitted to him. So you can believe, but if you're not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, you're not looking at his, as you read his word and things are revealed to you, you're doing your, your best by God's grace and in his love and mercy to follow those things. That is so important and that's key. And so it says, blessed are those who hear and take to heart what is written. Again, because the time is near. I could go into all sorts of other things that pointing to, you know, the time of the end. Let me mention one, um, and you've, many of you will have heard me say this. I think it's a very key prophetic event, and that's the reestablishment of the nation of Israel that's happened in the lifetime of many people alive today, 1948. Why do I say that? Well, the, the scriptures, Revelation, and in other parts, speak of Jesus coming again in person and arriving in Jerusalem and, um, you know, coming back to his people. Jesus was a Jew, is a, is a Jewish Messiah. He's coming back to fulfill the prophecies of that he, he were made by the Jewish prophets coming back to, uh, and it says that those who pierced him, referring to the Jewish people, will see, will recognize that he is indeed the Messiah. They will mourn, they will weep, and many will repent and know and, and, and come to receive the Messiah. So um, that's something, wow, Israel is suddenly there. Jerusalem has been recognized as the capital of Israel. And um, so we're moving into times when those things are prepared for his second coming. I could go on about that. I better not now. John to the seven churches in the province, province of Asia. And so he's speaking to these seven churches. Now, who are these seven churches? Well, there are different ideas and thoughts about these churches. Um, some of some commentators have said, ah, oh, these are just symbolic churches. They're, they're symbolic um, representations of maybe different church um, churches through history or different churches experiencing different problems. Maybe, you know, certain churches on fire, certain churches that are really not cutting it and being disobedient. And we'll, we'll come to those churches soon. But um, as we look at as we examine that idea, we can see, well, actually, that doesn't quite add up because when we do look at the language, it's not really symbolic going through it. There are very specific problems that are spoken about, very specific issues. And we do know from the historians and there were many more churches um, in 
in Asia Minor at, at that time. But these are specific churches, it seems, that um, that John is writing to, addressing specific issues. And, you know, and yet, yes, these these when we do get into those, we can see that these addressing of these specific issues with different particular churches can apply to any of us today. They can speak to us as individuals. They can speak to us as churches. And uh, we can have a look at what Jesus is saying to those churches and just think, well, right, does that apply to anything that I need to put right in my life? Are there things there that, that, that speak to me in my day? and uh, my church and the way I'm acting today. So to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. We're looking at Jesus here. And from the seven spirits before his throne. Well, who are the seven spirits? Well, seven and, and, and the number seven comes up time and time and time again throughout this book of Revelation. Seven speaks of completion. Seven speaks of perfection. Seven speaks of the fullness of things. And so we think of the seven and from the seven spirits, seven spirits, it's likely to represent the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Um, Judaism does believe that there are seven archangels so as possibility it could be the seven archangels standing before the throne but uh, so we've got the seven spirits could be the representing the holy spirit and from jesus christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead ah the firstborn so who's what 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 do we um understand as the firstborn from the dead was Jesus the first to ever be resurrected? Well, not strictly speaking, because we know there have been resurrections, people who have gone up to heaven to be with God without dying, right through even the Old Testament, and there are examples in the New Testament. So he wasn't, it's not referring to the first ever resurrection per se, because uh, we would look, let me think of, uh, I think we can think of Enoch, it says that Enoch walked with God and then God took him. Uh, he didn't die, it seems, and, and, and that's expounded in the scriptures. God took him. Maybe his walk was so close with him that he just, he said, oh, I want you here with me. Come up, Enoch, and join me. We think of um, Elijah. Elijah was, was, was calling on the Lord, was, was coming to the end of his ministry, and, and the chariot came down, whoosh, and caught him up and took him up into heaven in front of Elisha and the prophets. And so there's another um, there's another example of that resurrection without death uh, into into life, into into heaven, if you like. Then maybe we look in the New Testament. Think of examples. What about Lazarus? Was raised from the dead, wasn't he? There were there were many that were raised from the dead in Jesus's ministry and with the. Uh, the New Testament ministry. So what it must mean and what we can understand it to mean, it's the first resurrection into the new creation of the new eternal resurrected body, glorified body. 
And um, he is the first and we, all those who are in him and believe in him, we will follow him just as he was raised into this resurrection, indestructible, incorruptible, beautiful body and life and eternal life. We will also follow him, but he's the first. He's gone ahead of us and the ruler of the kings of the earth. We know the firstborn of all creation. Yes. Thank you, Simon. There's a reference there in Colossians 1 of the, um, you know, the, the, uh, all the different qualities of Jesus Christ himself. And, um, and the ruler of all the kings of the earth, Jesus, the king of kings. So um, to him who loves us, and as, again, this is to Jesus, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So while... Thank you, Lord, through the, the work of the cross and the paying and the pouring out of his blood, paying the price that was required for all the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now you and I, anybody listening to this, as we put our faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, we are set free from our sins, from the the weight and the guilt of our sins and we are imputed the bible says we are if you like given freely the the um the 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 quality of perfection of blamelessness of freedom from guilt we're given that as a free gift and so that's wonderful you can have that if you put your faith in jesus christ if you're listening to this do it, do it, and you will enter in to the new life. And has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. We talked about that this morning uh, in our Sunday. Uh, he has, uh, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that we may praise him who's called us out of darkness. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And then verse seven, it says, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. So there we've, we've got again here coming in a prophecy to this coming. He's coming on the clouds. And uh, we're, we're, we're reminded there of as Jesus went up on the clouds, he, he rose in front of, I think it was 400 odd believers who were there. He'd been with them for, is it a, a whole month or six weeks or so after the resurrection, teaching them about the things before he ascended before them on the clouds. And it says there were two witnesses who said, what are you looking at, men of Galilee? Do you not know that this this same Jesus will come again as he has gone? He'll come on the clouds and uh, to the same place he will come as he went up from the, I think it was the Mount of Olives. He will return and we know he will return. We'll see even in Revelation, he returns to the Mount of Olives, but this time in great power and glory. So we see it here reminded again prophesied and it says this time every eye will see him 
the whole world will see him. It says elsewhere in the scriptures, as lightning is seen in the east from the west, seen right across the skies, so shall the, the coming of the Son of Man be. It seems, how will the whole world see him at once? We don't know how it will happen. Maybe it will be televised. Maybe it will be on all our smartphones. Maybe it will, will be seen. Maybe it will be headlines and every every news station will be showing it at once. But whatever way it will be, every eye will see him. It, it says there, even those who pierced him. What does that mean? Does that mean even the Roman guards that pierced him at the cross uh, does he, you know, are they resurrected and, and, and see him coming back? No, this is a reference to uh, a Zechariah scripture. And sorry, I haven't got the exact verse, but it, it says that those who pierced him, meaning his own people, meaning the Jewish people, they will they will see and, and they will mourn and they will know that he is their Messiah. He is the one. And they will, it says they will mourn for him as for a firstborn son. You know, they will, they will receive him again and mourn that they didn't receive him the first time. They will be sorrowful, but they will receive him. Wonderful. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. Wow. So why will all the people of the earth mourn? Well, you know, for, for believers, it will be, I think I said this at the beginning, it will be the best of times. Oh, Lord, you are coming. You know, he's here. Amazing. But it says, and we read it in Revelation, we read it elsewhere. We read it in Jesus's um, sermon on the Mount of Olives about the last days. It says that those days will be terrible times for unbelievers because um, it says that they will, in terror, they will run under the rocks and look to hide themselves, maybe in caves or in mountains because of the terror of things coming on, because of the, the, the realization that they're in, you know, they're in trouble uh, as the Lord comes. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty serious stuff. And it says, even Jesus says, you know, if those days were not cut short, then nobody would survive. There's coming such a shaking on the earth. Uh, and we'll see that shaking. It's described in vivid detail in this book and elsewhere in scripture as well. So there's lots of cross references. So um, the, all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. How are we doing? We've got five minutes. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. That's the end of Jesus's words there. Then it says, I, John, now, now John is, is going to send out these letters. He's going to write down what he said and send them to the churches. Now, we know that John, he, he's in his 80s or maybe 90 odd here. He was a leader in the church. He would have been well known. He would have had great authority uh, in the church, they, in, you know, authority given great respect because he had been with Jesus. He was the one, he knew Jesus. He was the one who was loved of Jesus, knew him better than anyone else. He was the one who laid on his breast, you know, and, and, and um, it, it describes the one who Jesus, you know, very close to Jesus. I, John, your brother and can, listen to this. This, this is a description of, of the fellowship of believers. He's saying, look, I, 
I, John, your brother, and this is who I am. This is who we are. I'm your companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus Christ. Ours in Jesus. I'm your companion in suffering and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus Christ. Do you hear much preaching about the fellowship of suffering and patient endurance that are ours? Oh, that are ours. I embrace, oh, you give me, Lord, the the suffering and patient endurance that I embrace. I am a companion. We are fellow companions. This is something that is missing from the teaching and the theology and the life in the Western church. And, and I'm, I'm one of those. I'm not only one of those, but I'm a teacher of the, the, the or, you know, leader in the church. And, and I have to repent and say this needs to be an understanding of the the fellowship of the the suffering in our witness and and I have to say friends that even this this study of the book here of revelation and as we study the scriptures and what god's doing in the church in the west i think there's a preparing for what is to come that is the fellowship of the suffering of jesus christ just as our master went through um the the suffering he said to, to, to the disciples, you know, all men will hate you because of me. And um, those of you who suffer, blessed are those who, who suffer persecution for my name, you know, because great is your reward in heaven. You know, this, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, yet we don't hear much about this, do we? We hear about prosperity, blessings. Oh, yes. Uh, and yet, anyway, we, we will be picking up on this, even at Bright City Church, as we bring into balance uh, what is the true call of discipleship in knowing Jesus and following him. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud, oh, beg your pardon, let, let's just come back. I've missed a little bit there. Companion and suffering, kingdom endurance that are ours in Jesus Christ. I was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He's saying, hey, you know, I was on the island. I'm on this prison island. I'm on this island of um, exile where the Romans have put me here because of the word of God that I preach. That's why I was treated like this. That's why I was persecuted. And because of my testimony of Jesus Christ, that's why I'm here. So I was on the island because of that. Makes me think of Romans 5.3, Simon says. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character and character hope, etc. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. And every tongue will confess him. Karen, yes, so true. We will. We will indeed. Um, great. I do thank you for your input and I really appreciate it. Let's make this um, interactive, you know, uh, going forward. Well, I've come to the end of my time there. We've got up to um, verse 10. We'll pick up from verse 10 next week and carry on. But um, the great thing is, you know, in him, we have the promise that he will lead us. He will give us everything we need. He will strengthen us in the shaking. He will hold us fast. 
it says that we will shine brightly. Um, I think of Isaiah 60, I believe it is. Let's, uh, I know I'll come to the end of time. I, I want to leave you with a positive thought. Here it is, Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises on you. And his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So in this, as the darkness covers the earth, thick darkness, it says. And I said this morning, briefly mentioned it. You know, it's not talking about every time we go out morning, noon and night. Oh, it's it's black. It's black as the ace of spades. The sun's gone out. No, it's speaking of the moral darkness. And we know that is going so thick, so fast. And yet God promises, hey, this is your time to shine. Trust in me. Those who hope in the Lord we were singing this morning will never be put to shame. And uh, with, that can be our uh, assurance. So thanks for joining us. Let's continue to encourage one another as we go through the book of Revelation. We are promised to be blessed. You be blessed. Let God minister to you even tonight as you think on these things and going to sleep know that he's with you. So thanks for joining us, guys. God bless you all. Good night.